Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. March Madness continues. Another big day of basketball with more conference tournaments beginning a little bit later in the afternoon with the ACC tournament. Plenty to get to today. Another loaded show for you here in the very busy month of March. And uh, welcome in. Don't forget we do this show live each weekday at 11 a.m. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a southern Indiana perspective. And if you miss the live show here on the Big X, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available on Apple Podcast and wherever you may listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, a little flip-flop today because of some IU media availabilities coming up here in just a bit. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier is going to join us here in the first segment. So we'll talk the Big Ten Tournament. We'll talk IU Michigan. We'll talk bracketology for the Hoosiers and a lot more coming up here with Mike in just a few moments. Later in the hour, Greg Mingelt, reporter from HoosierHillsHoops.com, drops by. We're going to talk about sectional basketball over the weekend. Lots of great games, and I think Saturday – with the regional round of tournament play coming up is going to be a lot of fun as well. So Greg joins us to talk basketball on a local level. Also, uh, Romeo got time last night for the Spurs. We'll cover that with Greg. And Sean East named the Region Player of the Year in junior college basketball over at John A. Logan as they get ready to head to Hutchinson, Kansas for the uh, National Junior College Association Tournament, which is just a loaded event uh, with a lot of coaches uh, there that aren't in the NCAA tournament recruiting. So we'll we'll cover some other local players as well with Greg when we chat today. And then later in the show, Mike Pegram of Pigs.com is with us. We'll get back into some hoops. Uh, a couple football notes to talk about as well, maybe a little recruiting with Mike when he joins us later in the hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget also the Thornton's text line is open. You can send in your question, your comment for one of our guests. Uh, maybe you want to sound off about the Hoosiers, your predictions for the Big Ten tournament, uh, your bracketology thoughts on the Hoosiers, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. And you can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel Every day. All right, let's get to our first guest. Lots to cover. Mike Schumann. He's the author of the DailyHoosier.com, at Daily underscore Hoosier on Twitter. He's with us Tuesdays to talk IU basketball and more. 
this time of year. Mike, I tell you what, uh, March Madness is underway and has been now for a few days, uh, but it really ramps up today and tomorrow with more conference tournaments, including the high major conference tournaments getting underway starting later today with the ACC tournament. Just a fun time of year. Basketball basically on all day. Yeah, it's my favorite time of year from a sports perspective for sure. I I wasn't even intending to – to get into the March mood yesterday, and my son had on the Furman-Chattanooga game, and I saw an incredible game winner that really set the tone for the week. Yeah, that was amazing, and, and just some big shots. And I'll talk about this later, but I saw maybe the best high school basketball game that I have ever seen, or one of the best last night. I went to the Mail-Ballard uh, rivalry game, the seventh region championship at Louisville, and I'll, I'll cover that here a little bit later in the program. But, Mike, you're right. March Madness is underway. Big Ten tournament gets started. Let's start with bracketology for the Hoosiers. Uh, it could really be an elimination game when IU and Michigan eight, nine seeds in the Big Ten tournament play later this week. But does a win over Michigan, does that get Indiana a lot closer or in the tournament, or is the unthinkable going to have to happen? And to me, the unthinkable is really the winner of that game beating Illinois and Kofi Coburn. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I think we can clearly decipher is that if Indiana loses, they're, they're done in terms of NCAA tournament possibilities um i i was actually surprised you know obviously bracketology is more art than science but i was surprised coming out of this past week with indiana's two losses that that so many people still had them kind of right there i'd say the consensus is somewhere in that last four group of teams out of the tournament which suggests that that a win on thursday you know puts them right there, you know, could go either way. If, if they beat Michigan, could be in, could be out. I think if, if that happens, they beat Michigan and then lose to Illinois. I think you're, you're watching the tournament show with really no clue what's going to happen. Uh, very, very nervous. Um, you know, like I said, if they lose, I, I think they're clearly out. And then, yeah, I, I would agree with the, the notion of unthinkable to, to make it through the weekend. Not, not impossible, but, you know, hard to imagine because, you know, Michigan and Illinois – were Indiana's two worst losses by margin uh, of the season. So to, to come back this week and, and avenge those losses after closing the regular season, losing seven of nine, that, that that would be quite a story in and of itself. It would clearly put them in, in the tournament in my mind. So I think I think those are the, the possible scenarios that, that they're looking at right now. Mike, I know this team has struggled. We're talking about a team that's squarely on the bubble for the NCAA tournament, but I think this is a team that can really beat anyone uh, in the conference on any given night with maybe, in my mind, the exception of Illinois. I don't know if it's the matchup with Kofi Coburn or what exactly it is, but could I see Indiana beating Michigan? Uh, Yes, absolutely. Could I see Indiana knocking off uh, another top four seed if they were positioned elsewhere in the bracket? Absolutely, I could. Illinois is just the one team. I'm not sure exactly why, uh, but Kofi Coburn has a lot to do with uh, why I don't think Indiana or Michigan or a lot of teams are going to be able to beat them here this week. Yeah, Kofi Coburn's really been, you know, the story of Illinois' success here over the the last couple of years, in my opinion. They've got a lot of good players around him, including DeSumo last year, but but he's just so different. Like, he's just so physical, and he moves so well for his size. I mean, he obviously doesn't stretch the floor or anything like that, but but he is just such a difference maker for them that, you know, he's been an incredibly tough matchup for Trace Jackson Davis 
through the years here. I think their careers have aligned in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I would agree that that's just a really tough one to imagine for, for me, for, for Indiana to, to, to pull that out. Um, Michigan, on the other hand, you know, they they have been erratic here. I think the, over the last eight games, they have not won or lost consecutive games. So uh, they're obviously dealing with a unique kind of emotional situation on Thursday with the return of their, their head coach, Jawan Howard. So how they will respond to that, you know, that could be a positive or a negative for them. It's really hard to know. But, you know, just talking to Mike Woodson here over the last hour at his media availability, you know, he, he said that they, you know, they, they watched that Michigan game again yesterday and, and their takeaway was just that they were, you know, they really lacked intensity. People were, will recall that game, that first game against Michigan came, you know, just a couple of days after the, the win against Purdue. And, you know, I think even going into that game, there was some some sense of, you know, how's this team going to respond after such an emotional high? And, and I think the clear consensus is that they didn't respond well at all. They were just not dialed in. They did not match Michigan's intensity. Um, so it's, it's going to be real interesting to see if they can, you know, bridge that gap because it was an 18-point loss of, of all Indiana's games over the course of the season. That was the one that you just look at and say, man, they, they were just never in that game. They never really competed. Um, I think Michigan made 11 of 19 from three in that game. Hunter Dickinson made a lot of those. He just completely was dominant inside and out. So Indiana's got to find the answers, and it's it's going to be a major challenge to, to even get that one. Mike, you mentioned uh, Coach Woodson's media availability a little earlier this morning. Uh, I listened to a good portion of it. Anything stand out to you? Any news as far as injuries or the game later this week go? I mean, the the only real injury that I think they're dealing with that, that could keep somebody out is the ongoing Trey Galloway situation. I think most people know at this point he's, he's dealing with a, a high groin pull, and if anybody's had those or know of people that have had within there, they're highly limiting in terms of what you can do, so it doesn't sound like he's been practicing at all. Um, he did warm up against Purdue. That, that in and of itself was interesting. I don't know if that was just deception to – you know, get Purdue thinking about, you know, how to, they, they need to tweak their game plan if, if he was going to play. I mean, I watched him closely throughout warmups uh, against Purdue, and he, he was moving fine, but obviously moving fine in warmups is a completely different animal than, than moving fine during a, an actual game. Uh, so it, it's hard to know. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he gave it a go against Michigan, but I, I just don't know that you can expect him to be as effective as he can be, um, especially on the defensive end, because he, he just hasn't been practicing. He's, he's not going to have the same level of conditioning. I know when he came back from his wrist injury, uh, he kind of just came in and was effective and made a splash right off the bat. But the difference is just, you know, here he, he's dealing with an injury that he can't really maintain his conditioning level or anything like that. So it's going to be tough for him. Other other than that, I, I don't think there was any breaking news or anything coming out of that presser. It was mostly focused on, you know, Michigan, what Indiana did wrong the last time, what what they got to do to fix it, and you know what what the uh, formula is for for finally having some, some success here in the Big Ten tournament because they just man they just have not had success in that tournament going back pretty much since it started. Talking with Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier. He's with us Tuesdays as we talk the latest with IU basketball. Mike, I, I say this every year, but the last few seasons, the Big Ten tournament has been 
fantastic basketball. And I think especially Thursday, Friday, and beyond will be really fun to see this conference season uh, come to a close and to get ready for the NCAA tournament. In addition to IU and Michigan in the second round on Thursday, is there another game or a couple possible matchups if the bracket shakes out how you think it might that you're really excited about later this week in Indianapolis? I mean, I think all you got to do to get yourself excited for, for this tournament is to look at that Nebraska-Minnesota score from the weekend. I mean, if you needed any more evidence that literally anything could happen in in this event, that that was your indicator. I mean, I know people will point to the fact that, that Johnny Davis got hurt in that game, but if if I understand correctly, Nebraska was actually leading in the game before he got hurt, and, and that game was at Wisconsin, so... I mean, literally anything can happen in this tournament. I mean, I, I've been really impressed with, with a few teams. You know, Wisconsin is one, irrespective of what I just said, because, you know, I think most people had them bottom half of the league going in. So if they can get Davis right, um, I, I think they're obviously a tough out. But but Iowa's late run here has been really impressive. They're, they're another team that, you know, people forget that they lost – Luca Garza, they, they, they lost Wies Camp coming into this season. They, they didn't really start well, but they've turned things around. And, and they're actually defending at a much higher level than what they were, you know, historically and even earlier in the season. So that, that's been a really impressive job by, by, um, Fran McCaffrey there at, at, Mich- or at, at Iowa. So, um, though, from a team perspective, though, those would be the ones that, that intrigue me, but, you know, I think it's wide open. I mean, who who had Rutgers in as a, you know, a, a double by number four seed even even a couple of weeks ago? Who had that? Um, so you know, anytime you put Geo Baker and Ron Harper on the floor, you're you're talking about a very tough out. You know, two really tough minded guys that that are gonna, you know, make the, make life difficult for you. Hit big shots at as you saw against Indiana. And of course you can't forget about Purdue either. I mean, I, I've said all along talking to you and others that, that to me, they're, they're the, the toughest out in the league just because they, they are so good inside and out. Um, man, I'm, I'm glad nobody's asking me to put money on this thing. Cause I would have no clue where to go. I, I could <laughs> tell you about six or seven different teams that I, that I could probably make a case that could make a run in this thing. I tell you what, uh, I'm not going to ask you to put money on it, but I am going to ask your pick for the champion. I, I think I think I've got to give the nod to Illinois. And I'm not so sure. You just talked about the Boilermakers. I'm not so sure. I wouldn't project an Illinois Purdue championship game. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, look, looking at the bracket and what they have to do to get there, that that is the the way I would go to. I think, you know, Wisconsin, you know. They've got to figure out how healthy Johnny Davis is. It doesn't sound like it's a big deal what he's dealing with, um, but but that is enough reason to give me pause with them. Um, they did beat Purdue twice, so if he's healthy, um, that would be a semifinal matchup that would be good to watch. There, um, you know, Illinois would conceivably you know have to knock out Michigan and Rutgers, and so no easy easy path there either. Um, so. Yeah, it, it, if if you were to push me on it, Purdue and Illinois seems like the the most likely uh, final in, in my opinion. Um, but you know, we we've seen crazy things happen. Would not be at all surprised to see a Rutgers and Iowa, 
even a, a late run by Michigan State would certainly not be surprising to me. So I, I, I just can't wait to watch it. Yeah, same here. Mike Schumann, Daily Hoosier. Mike, Jawan Howard returns to the sideline for the Wolverines on Thursday. Is that a boost for the Michigan players, the Michigan team? Is that a cause for concern for IU fans? Because, all right, our head coach is back, and now it's time to get ready for March and see if we can make the NCAA tournament. Is that kind of a, an auxiliary boost that maybe Michigan needs? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I don't know if it's just something that, that people like us think about and talk about versus you know really having an effect in the locker room. I'm sure Michigan will, will try to – to rally around it, but ultimately, I don't know how much of a difference it really makes. I'll admit it was one of the things I was thinking about asking Woodson about on the presser, but it just didn't feel right because it's really not an Indiana story so much. But it's you know it'd be interesting to get another coach's perspective on that whole incident and how he thinks it'll impact the team. Um, but you know, it's, it's probably just more of an ancillary thing. Um, I'm sure behind the scenes, he's been involved all the way through in game planning and things of that nature. So it's just more the fact that he's going to be on the court for this game. And, and I do think Michigan will try to rally around it, but ultimately they have to execute. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier. Mike, few other topics I want to cover with you. Um, as we watch some of these mid-major conference tournaments come to a close, and some were held over the weekend, some yesterday, and there's more coming up over the next few days as the high major tournaments get underway. Do IU fans need to be cheering for or against uh, anyone specifically? Because it looks to me with as, as narrow as this bubble could be that uh, upsets in these mid-major conferences could be bid stealers. Yeah, that that's something I plan to, to look at, especially if Indiana to win, wins on Thursday, is who those teams are that that could potentially you know disrupt Indiana's chances. Because like I said, they are right there on the the, the brink if they win on Thursday. Um, don't don't have any names for you at this point, but it is absolutely a story to watch all the way through Sunday. You know, if you're an Indian, if Indiana wins on Thursday and you're an Indiana fan, you want to root for the the, the regular season conference champions, the the favorites in the tournaments to, to go all the way through and win their titles. You don't want a chance of, of something where, uh, you know, a team that's like a Murray state that, you know, is going to go in either way to, to lose their tournament and create a, an, an avenue for a second team in that conference to get in. The, those are the situations that, that you got to watch for, but the, you know, first things first for Indiana, that they absolutely have to win on Thursday, and then they can start worrying about that stuff. Mike, you had a story at the dailyhoosier.com on Trent Sisley uh, from down at Heritage Hills, who just uh, finished up a great freshman basketball season. He's got lots of offers, lots of interest in Indiana and Purdue, some of the first schools to get involved with him at a very serious level and offer him a scholarship. I think as we get into the spring and recruiting gets back in the, the major topics that we discuss, Trent Sisley is going to be one of the biggest names, both literally and figuratively, that we talk about this offseason from an in-state recruiting perspective. Yeah, I mean, not only this season, but for the next several years, that's just the name you're going to hear over and over. You know, Indiana, in the high school ranks, you know the the classes in twenty three and twenty four. You know, obviously a lot of good talent in there, but not the elite 
you know, names that, that we've seen historically come out of this state. But, man, 2025, you know, all, all you need to know is that IU and Purdue offered, you know, both Sicily and a kid out of Fishers named Jalen Harrelson, both before they ever played a high school game. That That's your red flag that those are two special, special talents. I, I've gotten a chance to see Harrelson a couple times live and Sisley on film. They're, they're going to actually team, it, team up this year with the, the Indy Heat, is my understanding. So people get to watch them both on, on the same team together. And my understanding is that they're also friends with each other. So um, both of those guys, I think, are, you know, will ultimately probably, you know, dance around that, that five star kind of, you know, very national recruitment type, type of situations. Um, Indiana's obviously way out in front in terms of getting involved in those recruitments, but those are going to be highly competitive um, situations because of both of those guys are, are just special talents. Harrelson's like 6'6", but plays point guard. I mean, I, I pressed his coach on this. as like, you, you, he is actually a point guard, right? Uh, before he played a high school game, he's like, yeah. And then I watched him, and yeah, he, he has those skills. And then Sisley, 6'7", but is is really a wing shot forty percent from three. So so these are the kind of kids you know you're going to see more and more of that you know even they're even though they're tall, um, they they've got versatile games. That they're exactly the kind of kids that, that Indiana, I think, wants and needs to recruit going forward. The guys that can play multiple positions and guard multiple positions. Mike, we're going to talk some high school basketball in the next segment. So one other question about high school hoops related to an IU recruit. I know C.J. Gunn's career officially came to an end over the weekend at Lawrence North. And even though uh, the senior did not, I'm sure, advance as far as what he would have liked in the postseason, he really went out with a bang. And I saw multiple people say it was one of the best high school performances in a game that they've seen from C.J. Yeah, I think it was a 38-point game, maybe 26 in the first half. Um, and then he followed that up with, what was it, 22 or 23 in the final there against Cathedral. And it, it was really a theme that, that he followed all season. He didn't get to play a lot of games. I think just 17. I just got some stats from his school, actually, uh, last night. Uh, for the season, he averaged 23.5 per game, 5.5 rebounds, um, shot 37.4% from three. So he, he really transitioned to uh, from a guy that was kind of more of a role player last year to really the, the centerpiece of Lawrence North's offense this year, and he responded to it very well. I think when Lawrence North was playing the best this year, they, they just put the ball in his hands and, and basically turned him loose. And, and I think he showed a lot. I think, you know, you think projecting forward, what Indiana has been missing a lot this year is kind of that – that wing type player that can score at all levels, go create buckets when, when they're tough to come by. You know, I, I don't think he's going to do that as a freshman in college, but projecting his future, I think he can become that kind of player. Absolutely. All right, uh, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier. He's with us Tuesdays a little earlier in the show than normal, but Mike, uh, glad to catch up and looking forward to a, a fun week of conference tournament basketball. It's just a great time of the year. And Indiana playing host to a lot of postseason basketball uh, right now, including the Big Ten tournament. Mike, thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Talk to you later. We'll head to a commercial break. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. 502-414-1450 is the number. We'll come back with Greg Mingelt. He's a writer for the HoosierHillsHoops.com website. Uh, we had some great sectional championship action over the weekend, and we're getting ready for another uh, big weekend of hoops. It's the regional round. 
here in Indiana. And I've got to tell you about the male Ballard game when I come back as well. It was a triple overtime classic last night in Louisville. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt daily at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. Back here on this Tuesday program, real quick, I got to mention, I know it's not Indiana or Southern Indiana, but I got to mention the male Ballard game last night. I went over with some friends, uh, know Coach Renner at Ballard well. It was his final game as a high school coach. Uh, He announced his retirement at the start of the season. Uh, Friends with Tim Hayworth of Mail, he's been on this show a few times. Heck, I think Coach Renner has as well. But just a classic game. First off, you don't see – Crowds like this all the time in Louisville, but Valley's big gymnasium where Louisville stages a lot of these big games, it was basically full. I mean, it was a great crowd last night. It looked like Mail and regulation was going to win the ball game. Uh, Michi White had a layup that put Mail ahead by four with 8.9 seconds. Then there was a technical foul, I believe, on the male bench. I'm not quite sure if it was on a specific player or the bench, and that gave Ballard two free throws, which they hit, and possession of the basketball, which they then scored to force the first overtime. Things got crazier from there. Uh, Caleb Glenn of Mail, who IU was very involved with before he committed to UofL, and he remains committed at UofL even without a coach there. Uh, he had a basket to put Mail up four again, this time a minute 35 left in the first overtime, but Gabe Sisk of Ballard, who had 30 points, uh, scored, had a steal, and a basket. So basically two baskets almost identical from Sisk within like a 10-second period to tie the game again, which forced another overtime. Then at the end of the second overtime, uh, an eighth grader, you know, eighth graders can play up on JV varsity basketball in Kentucky uh, named Jaden Johnson. He had a wide-open three from the left wing that rimmed out at the buzzer, and so we headed to overtime number three, and Caleb Glenn, who had 38 points, it was a monster performance last night. He had a 17-footer just inside the top of the key to win it for Mayo. Pandemonium broke out after the game. Tough to see Ballard and Chris Renner uh, end his career that way, but he's been so successful and so many wins and so many seventh region championships, but it just wasn't meant to be. Mayo, uh, impressively enough, it's their third win this season over Ballard. They have absolutely had the Bruins' number. They've all been great close games, and Mayo will now try to bring a state championship back to Louisville when they go down to Rupp Arena next week. All right, more high school basketball coming up right now. Greg Mingelt, he writes for HoosierHillsHoops.com, joins us. And, Greg, we'll start with high school hoops in Indiana. Uh, Some great regional action set. And I tell you what, uh, specifically Floyd Central, but even thinking about North Harrison and Providence, I think we've got a couple teams that have the ability to compete for regional championships this weekend. Absolutely, I think um, I think Floyd Central uh, is the one that to really keep an eye on. I think they uh, I think they're going to win it up in Seymour. So that's um, 
Uh, you know, obviously, Bloomington North just beat them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Floyd was without a couple of its top players, and um, but they'll have them this time. So, and man, did they look good on Saturday night? Yeah, they were fantastic. I tell you, the Floyd Central game against Franklin to start the day on Saturday at Seymour. On paper, it does not look to be a great game. Franklin uh, doesn't have a great record, but boy, they have been hot at the right time. And if you look through their schedule, who they've played going back to the end of the regular season and through the tournament, and you just look at who they play over the course of the regular season, they're in a tough conference. They're in that southern part of Indianapolis or metro Indianapolis, and so they play a ton of big schools. So I I think the more I read about this Franklin team – They've been really challenged this season with great competition, and they seem to be coming together at the great at, at the right time. So uh, Floyd's the favorite. I think Floyd's going to win that ball game. It may not be the type of game that I think fans, when you look at Franklin's record, are expecting. But, Greg, that Saturday night potential for a Floyd Central-Bloomington North rematch at Seymour, I think that could be just a fantastic ball game with the winner moving on to the Final Four. Yeah, I think uh, Bloomington North. I don't think Evansville North is going to be easy to get by either. They they seemed like uh, they weren't playing very well at, at one point in the season, but uh, they kind of dominated that sectional at Evansville, which had some good teams with uh, Wrights and Castle and and Central and um, our with Wrights and Castle and and uh, North was uh, kind of dominated that sectional. So I, I, you know. Obviously, I think we're looking at a Floyd Central Bloomington North Championship game, but I'm not sure either one of them is going to be as easy as maybe the records make it seem it will be. All right, Greg, a few other things to catch up on. Uh, Last night, Romeo Langford logged his first official minutes for the Spurs, and he finished the game with seven points. So when he came to, to San Antonio, there was a period where Again, we're not on the inside, but he appeared to be healthy and ready to play, uh, but he did not. And then he was injured with, uh, I think, a groin injury was how it was listed on the uh, injury list for the Spurs for a handful of games. And then he was a coach's decision to not play in a previous game. But finally, last night, he came in, got some real opportunity, and for, again, a fresh start, a new look, uh, he, he looked okay. Yeah, uh, from from what I've been able to read about it, it, it appears that they're just being very careful with a uh, with a tender injury that he had, a groin injury that he has, and um, that it's uh, not that they're not interested in playing him. That it's uh, more of a let's be really careful. It's kind of the end of the season, and uh, let's be just be careful with him. In fact, uh, last night he scored seven points in in the first half, and I don't think he re-entered in the second half. So I think that was that was the reason they just kind of decided to hold him back. And he played really well for the minutes that he was in. Um, Spurs fans seemed uh, really happy with uh, with his first um, stint there with the Spurs. So we'll, uh, I think we'll know more next week. All right. Uh, also, another local player, Greg, that I wanted to mention, Josh Jefferson. Uh, he was second team All Conference, Conference USA when they announced their uh, postseason awards after the regular season. Now his Middle Tennessee team will compete this week in the CUSA tournament where they unexpectedly had a tremendous season and uh, came in first in their division, their side of the conference. But Josh Jefferson had big numbers consistently. He was really good all season long for Middle Tennessee, and they've got a chance to make some noise in the upcoming conference tournament. But second team for him, that's big accomplishment. That is a big accomplishment, and uh, like you said, that was not expected at Middle Tennessee. Uh, 
I believe they were predicted last in their division and they finished first. And the big difference in that from last year to this year, obviously, was the addition of Josh Jefferson. He wasn't the only one. They had a, a, a nice freshman, another transfer, but um, Josh had a really nice year. Was their leading scorer. Uh, yeah, they definitely have a chance to um, to get in the NCAA tournament. Now, the best teams in that conference were from the other division that they didn't win. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but they certainly have a chance. And of course, um, uh, we got a couple that um, that are a few kids getting started this week in conference tournaments. Yeah, and Greg, if you want to run through some of the other locals that uh, are headed sure. into conference tournament play again, it's just a, a number of Division One guys out of our local area here these days. Yeah, well, first of all, Bellarmine tonight. Um, Justin Betts uh, is starting for Bellarmine in a lot of ways. Has been uh, the key to their success this year. Not not a high volume scorer, but one of their leaders in assists and in rebounds. In fact, the last few games has led them in assists and rebounds. Um, Trey Coleman at Nevada, they get started tomorrow uh, against New Mexico. And then um, Jake Hydebreeder and, and Air Force play Utah State back-to-back out in um, Las Vegas. So uh, you got those couple. And then, um, uh, yeah, of course, don't forget about uh, Middle Tennessee. I think they've got a really good shot, too. So a lot of, a lot of local kids to keep an eye on uh, this week. Greg Mingelt, he's a writer for HoosierHillsHoops.com covering everything in the local basketball scene and he was he's with us Tuesdays here on the radio show Greg uh, Sean East and Kobe Barnes playing junior college basketball for a year after uh, division 1 stints and they're both going to head back to division 1 schools uh, at the conclusion of this season when they figure out recruiting wise where they're going to play they had a great year Logan their team over in Illinois had a great year Sean East was named a player of the year for that region of junior college basketball and Kobe Barnes was honored on the all region team for great play as well those guys have a chance now to play out in Hutchinson Kansas in the NJCAA national tournament which I've never been to but I've heard in the middle of nowhere in Kansas uh, all the best junior college teams there lots and lots of talent uh, guys that will go to play division one basketball and a lot of coaches there in the gym to recruit and watch and, and offer scholarships I've always heard it's a really really cool environment and Sean East is going to be one of the guys a national junior college player of the year contender to watch at that tournament yeah it's uh, it's been quite a year for both of those guys and uh, obviously they both made the right choice to kind of go and and reset their careers and see what they can do. Uh, Sean East is a kid who's been under recruited since he was in high school. I remember back in the back at the News and Tribune writing a column asking coaches, "What are you doing, letting this kid uh, slip through your hands?" Especially the local uh, Indiana, you know, the Evansvilles, and you know, you wonder what these these programs were thinking. Um, but yeah, it seems like they made the right choice, and they're going to have. Uh, a lot of uh, choices ahead of them, and um, should be interesting to see what they do at the junior college tournament. It doesn't look like there's anybody better than Logan around the country, so um, it looks like they're going to be one of the top contenders in that tournament. Yeah, it'd be fun to follow them uh, coming up here next week. Greg Mingelt with us yep. on Tuesdays to talk local basketball. Greg, as we uh, as we let you go, your vote for best regional on Saturday. If a fan wants to get out, it's my favorite day of the year to be out. If a fan wants to get out, watch two semifinal games and then a championship game at night. We've got four local regionals where our teams will be at 
where would you be at? Uh, I would probably go to Washington. I think uh, when you look at Sullivan and North Harrison and Bossy, those are uh, three really good teams, and, and I really have no idea who's going to win that. And Lawrenceburg came out of a really good sectional at 20-7. and seven. Of course, they beat uh, Scottsburg this year. Um, so that, I should have said that's four really good teams at Washington. Uh, and then um, the Class A um, sex, or regional, uh, Borden 16-7 and seven and has twice as many losses as everybody else at Lagodi. So that's how good that sectional or that regional is going to be. Um, and actually, the um, the 2A one is uh, going to be quite good, too, especially when you start off with uh, uh, Providence versus uh, Linton Stockton, the team that might be the favorite to win it all at 2A. Um, you know, that's, uh, if you're, if you're going to go to one game on, on Saturday and you could only go in the morning, Providence and Linton would be a pretty good one. Uh, North Harrison and Sullivan would be really good too. Yeah. going to be a fun, fun day Saturday and our coverage will begin with the Floyd central Franklin game, the second semifinal at Seymour. And then if Floyd wins, we'll stay at Seymour. If Floyd were to not advance, we'll likely go to another local regional where someone, uh, here from our area is playing. Greg Mingelt, lots of coverage this time of year at HoosierHillsHoops.com with more to come. Greg, thanks for the chat today. Enjoy March Madness. All right, thanks a lot, Matt. I appreciate it. All right, we'll head to a commercial break and come back with our final segment of the day. Mike Pegram of Pigs.com will join us. We've got, obviously, more basketball to talk about with the Hoosiers and the Big Ten Tournament. There's some football news as well to get to. I tell you, it's been a rough, rough offseason. It's really been a rough season and offseason for IU football, and we're going to talk about that briefly when we come back as well. And more with Mike Pegram of Pigs.com. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Back on this Tuesday program, right in the middle of the start of March Madness, and we'll get to basketball here in a moment, but I want to start uh, with some football. Mike Pegram, Peaks.com, is our guest uh, talking a little bit here about the Hoosiers this segment. Uh, Mike, uh, bad news, tough news, I'll say, maybe is the better way to describe it, continues for Tom Allen and the football program. Gbran Payne, it was announced earlier today, has requested and been released from his national letter of intent, which makes sense after a relationship with Dylan McCullough, who left for Notre Dame. Uh, there's been a big change there as far as his position coach goes, and so he wants to consider some other options. Right, and um, I don't know that he is as quite as – I mean, he's a four-star, but he had some injuries and his stats weren't outstanding. I think some of the times the, the rankings a little bit to do with – sophomore and junior year situations and expected development, but um, he was one of the highest ranked recruits for Indiana. So, um, you know, it looks on paper like a, like an issue for the team. All right, Mike, let's jump into some basketball stuff. We previewed the Michigan game and talked a little bit about the big 10 tournament earlier in the program, 
But I want to get your take on this IU-Michigan game coming up on Thursday. In many ways, the team that loses that game is, I think, basically definitely out of the NCAA tournament. And Michigan, uh, going back to the regular season meeting, was not a team that Indiana matched up well with or played competitive with. Your, your thoughts on the Thursday game, the opener for the Hoosiers? Um, yeah, it's um, the, anybody with a big guy inside like Hunter Dickinson has proven to be an issue for Indiana at times with, um, you know, not being able to take advantage of their, uh, Trace Jackson Davis inside and Race Thompson to a certain extent. And that really played itself out in Bloomington. It was actually the team that handled Indiana the most, um, or easiest all year. But, that also game was a lot of three-point makes from in, uh, Michigan, 11 for 17. It's really hard for them to see them having anything close to that kind of shooting. Michigan's been up and down, like a win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. And um, I don't know. It's, it, you know, I, big, Weird things happen in the Big Ten tournament, so I, I do think Indiana has an excellent chance. All right, Mike Pegram, Peaks.com, our guest. Your pick for the Big Ten uh, tournament, Any anything you're projecting there? Um, that's actually a good question. Uh, I think it'll be a surprise this year. Uh, I think Illinois might have the most talent, but they just have never really impressed me. Never really seem to continue to get it together regularly. Um, Ohio State's been really disappointing. I think they have a lot of talent. Uh, Wisconsin, maybe that, that Nebraska loss will galvanize them. So maybe I'll go with them just because I think that they got slapped in the face. Maybe they'll respond. Yeah, MikePegramPeaks.com, I definitely agree. I picked Illinois uh, because of the talent in Kofi Coburn, but uh, I could see the Wisconsin thing being uh, something to follow as well. Mike, uh, I wanted to ask you this. I know that IU fans and Coach Woodson was asked this or discussed this last night on his his weekly coaches show, and Don Fisher brought up the NIT tournament. Um, If Indiana gets an invite to that, if Indiana does not make the NCAA tournament, I assume that it makes sense for this Indiana program to participate. Occasionally you'll see teams uh, turn down uh, postseason opportunities if it's not the NCAA. And someone brought this up to me that, you know, the IU women playing well and should get the chance to host possibly some NCAA tournament games in Bloomington. That could keep IU, if they are an NIT team, on the men's side maybe from hosting games and having to play on the road. Any thoughts on NIT? Does it make sense? Do you think if it's an option, IU will take it? And is there a possibility of conflicts if they were to have to go that route where they couldn't play at home? Yeah, you see conflicts in the NIT from time to time. Um, So, you know, if they do play, they could have to go on the road like they – did with Georgia Tech a few years ago with Tom Crean. Uh, you know, I do think they would want to play in the NIT because they got to fix this being able to finish games, and they have some good young talent that could use the the experience. Um, you know, guys like Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo, um, I think would be really good for them to play um, away from home and in a tournament atmosphere. So I think it would be a good move for Indiana to play in the NIT and. Uh, like you said, they could have a road game or two, but you know that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. MikePegramPeaks.com. Let's talk about the IU women for just a bit. They had a strong close to the Big Ten tournament, even though they couldn't win their fourth game in four days. I think they're a factor in the upcoming women's tournament. I'm not sure that they can best last year's result, but I really like this team. Yeah, really, they only have one Achilles heel, and that's uh, 
teams with a lot of depth of size, and, and Iowa's kind of been that one team that they've really struggled with this year, but uh, they have one good inside player, I mean, one really good inside player in Mackenzie Holmes, and then a whole bunch of really talented, gritty guards, and uh, it's a good formula for the NCAA tournament to be you know, have that many good guards. All right, so Mike. I think they can they can make a good run again, I believe. All right, Mike Pegram, our guest. Mike, uh, I was trying to think ahead during the commercial break. I know you keep yep. a very close eye on high school basketball in our state, and the Pigs.com site's a great place to keep up with all all the recruiting stuff. But in the tournament, with Sisley out and Harrison Harrelson out at uh, Fishers and C.J. Gunn, he had a great performance. I know you wrote about that over the weekend for Lawrence North, but his team has been eliminated. I was trying to recall IU – prospects of some sort that are still alive in the regional round. I know there's got to be somebody out there. I'm just not thinking of immediately. <laughs> yeah, Xavier Booker yeah. Uh, in Cathedral is uh, one that comes to mind. Um, there's, not, well, there's not a lot of prospects, though. I mean, uh, I think that the, the two really good 25 guys are gone. And uh, so Xavier, Xavier comes, to, comes to mind, and I'm probably forgetting somebody – that's you know got some talent, but uh, yeah, CJ Gunn lost to Booker, by the way, in the in the, in the Saturday final. Yeah, and then Gabe Cups, whose father coaches him over at Centerville, Ohio, uh, they won their district tournament the other night, and they're going to move on in Ohio play. Yeah, that, I actually was at that game, and I uh, was really impressed by by Gabe and that whole team. It's just tremendous teamwork, tremendous shooters, uh, better shooters than Indiana has. If you to be honest. It's just a lot of talent for a size of that school from Ohio. And then Ja'Kai Newton down in Georgia, are they are they maybe done with their tournament? I know he, he had a lot of honors there once the regular season came to a close. Where are they at in their postseason? Uh, they lost um, uh, to a really another really good team. It was a back-and-forth affair, and um, I, know they, I know they lost. Gotcha. Mike Pegram, Peaks.com. He's with us Tuesdays for the latest on IU basketball, football, and more. Mike, as always, thanks for the chat today. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. That's going to wrap things up for this Tuesday edition of the program. Just a reminder for the weekend, high school basketball Saturday will be at uh, the Seymour 4A Regional. Floyd Central and Bloomington uh, North are the two favorites, but let me start over here. Floyd Central and Franklin, uh, the second semifinal game of the day, and that's where our coverage will begin uh, from Seymour around 11.45 or so on Saturday morning. Then we'll stay in Seymour if the Highlanders win, and it could be a great game on Saturday night, Floyd and Bloomington North, if they both advance. If Floyd were to not advance, we'll check out Providence or Borden or one of our local teams and uh, try to jump in there and, and continue our high school basketball coverage. But should be a fun day. I expect to be in Seymour all day, and I think Floyd Central has a really good chance with how they are playing uh, to cut the nets down again in Seymour uh, on Saturday night and make a trip to the next weekend of the tournament. But we will see. Uh, great time, though. Great games coming up. And hope that if you can't make it to Seymour or any local regional spot that you'll join us Saturday here on the Big X. Jeff Crawford will be with me all day long for our coverage originating, starting at Seymour at least, uh, on Saturday about 11.45. That's going to wrap things up for today. We'll be back on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Reminder, no show Thursday because the Hoosiers tip at 11.30, which means pregame is at 10.30. 
uh, on Thursday. And also tomorrow, in addition to our regular guest, we'll have Ryan Miller, the coach of Providence, on to talk about the Pioneers' run to the regional and uh, preview that for you as well. That's going to wrap it up for Tuesday. Back with you Wednesday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.